jump Pray in. Together. Father, we need you. Holy Spirit, helper, help. Jesus, baptizer, baptize us. Give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you that we might know you. So this is elementary doctrines of Christianity, the elementary principles, the beginning things. What does that mean? Well, elementary in the Greek means to be first, to be chief, to be the ruler, to be the beginning. Um, it's the initial excuse me, starting point, figuratively what comes first and therefore is chief and foremost. It has the priority because it is ahead of the rest. It's preeminent. So it's the preeminent things. What is a principle or a doctrine? Uh, it is literally the thing that lays to rest all other things. It's literally the arguments that would lay to rest any other uh, argument. It's the closure. It's to move to a conclusion, again, to lay it to rest. So it is the preeminent thing that lays to rest all other arguments, meaning what? How does that apply to us in our understanding of Christianity? How does that apply to us in our walk? It means that these are the foundational building blocks of our faith. You're going to go build a house. You're not building a house um, without laying the foundation first. You can't begin to build other things of a house, other structures, walls, trusses, and all this, a roof even, without ever first laying that foundation. And typically, the bigger building you're going to build, the deeper the foundation goes. And Paul, which I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, so what we could say for the sake of argument, that the author of Hebrews says that unless we master these things, unless we become teachers of these things, we really can't even move on and begin to mature in Christ. We need to become teachers of these things, really. He says, by now, you should be teachers. By now, you should be teachers of what? These beginning things. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, Paul says this, I passed on to you what was most important. I passed on to you what was most important. And we know in the context of all of Scripture that these things are what Paul was talking about. These are what is most important when the apostles would go into a town and they would plan a church they would make sure they had solid these things and then you see Paul begin to deal with other issues and the apostles begin to deal with other issues in their letters when they would call and write the churches or sorry call well what is it, it wasn't 21st century they didn't have phone when they would write the letters sorry they would write I'm, I'm living in 2021 but really they were writing letters and sending it to them to address these issues these elementary principles or doctrines are this repentance from evil deeds faith in God baptisms plural in water spirit and fire the laying on of hands the resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment and we've already covered repentance from evil deeds, faith in God, baptisms, and laying on of hands. And if you haven't been able to catch those, I highly encourage you to go on to our YouTube channel. You can look it up. It's under my name, Brett Spears, and just um, go on there, and all the other doctrines are on there. So uh, all the other teachings are on there. Just a second. I'm going to have to pause and probably edit this out. Can somebody let him know we're recording and then and then close the door? Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. 
It's all right. It's my son. It'll be okay. I'm not going to be a mean father. (laughs) So now we're rolling into the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection from the dead. (laughs) I'm going to have to edit all that out. He's like, he's, he's an editor. So he's over there thinking like, oh boy, it's okay. It's all right. So yeah, this is the resurrection from the dead. You know, there's many scriptures that touch on the resurrection from the dead, the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead all throughout the Bible. I highly encourage you to even go on Google and just type in uh, resurrection of the dead scriptures. Uh, You might even find 100. There's other ones with 20, 21. Read them, read through them. Um, I'm not going to go through each one, but you'll find a lot of the doctrine of resurrection of the dead is mentioned here and there in one verse or another verse. Maybe Peter mentions it. Paul mentions it several times in almost each one of his letters. Jesus obviously talks about it. Isaiah prophesies about the resurrection of the dead. And, you know, when in Jesus's day, you had two primary um, sets of scribes or teachers or rabbis um, known as the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So the Pharisees, they believed in the supernatural. They believed in an angelic beings. Um, they believed in, in miraculous um, exorcisms, all that. And they also believed in the resurrection of the dead. But the Sadducees, they did not believe in the supernatural. And they did not believe in the resurrection of, of the dead. That's why they're sad, you see. <laughs> they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. And they had no hope. Uh, but super corny joke. Oh no, it's, forgive me. I couldn't help it. I couldn't have a dad joke. Aww. But the resurrection of the dead man is so pivotal. You know, L- literally, I believe some of the Sadducees wanted to kill Jesus even over this issue. You'll see Paul brings it up. Paul brings it up as a as a as a method of protection. Whenever they're trying to arrest Paul, they're trying to take him to jail. He's like, "Oh, hey, I'm here over the resurrection of the dead." And it was such a big deal to the Pharisees, they actually like swoop in and would protect him. But it is an essential doctrine of Christianity. We have got to have it on lock, an understanding of the resurrection of of the dead to the point, again, as the author of Hebrews says, to uh, be able to teach it to others. We really have to get an understanding. And so with all the scriptures that are throughout the Bible, um, and again, I, I highly encourage you to take a look at that on your own time. There actually is an entire chapter um, in one of Paul's letters dedicated to the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. And that's really what we're going to cover in depth today because he just he just does such an amazing job um, as obviously it's the Holy Spirit through him. Um, so, of course, it's amazing. Uh, but we really want to just take a look at that and dive in. So we're going to be in First Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to read the whole chapter, Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Listen to this. Paul says, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. When you read the Bible, I really want to encourage you to not only just read a verse here or a verse there, but read chapters, read letters in a whole, read the whole Bible, really. You need the whole Bible to understand the whole Bible. Um, That's why I'm encouraging you to go look up those other scriptures so that you can see it throughout the whole Bible. It's been a thread since the beginning. 
Uh, but really, to understand context, we need to see what the, the author, the Holy Spirit, is speaking in setting up each verse. You don't want to just pluck a verse out. That's how we get false doctrine. That's how we get doctrines of demons. The devil himself knows Scripture and tries to twist them. He tried to do it to Christ in the wilderness. So here is the context of everything we're about to read. Brethren, I declare to you the gospel. So this is key in the gospel. The good news about Jesus Christ, which I preach. So it's the gospel that Paul preached to you, which you also received and not only received, he says, and in which you stand. So that good news of Jesus Christ, the good news that we're about to cover, the good news that we've heard, the good news, the preaching of the gospel that you heard that allowed for you to have faith. And allowed for you to believe in Jesus, in the message of the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his soon return, uh, and the salvation of our souls and the forgiveness of our sin by the shedding of his blood, and that we be made new to live right in his sight. That good news, that thing is not only what we receive, but it's in what we stand. We never come off the gospel. It's what keeps us. When the enemy comes with his lies, when, when people come with their accusations or troubles and woes come, Jesus said it himself, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, pointing back to what? The gospel. This is the victory we have that overcomes the wor- world. What is it? Our faith. Our faith in what? In the gospel. This is key. The resurrection of the dead is paramount, and we're going to see why. By which also you are saved by this gospel, by this truth that we're about to look at. If you, somebody say if you, hold fast that word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. So the premises of of salvation in, in, in staying in salvation, standing in salvation is believing the gospel. And he says this. For I delivered to you first all that which I also received. So he spoke what he first received. What? That Christ died for our sins according to scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to scriptures and that he was seen. So wait a second. It wasn't hypothetical as some would tell you. It, it wasn't metaphorical as some would tell you, well, they just saw Jesus' ghost. No. He was raised from the dead on the third day. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead now dwells in us if we are in Christ. He literally, dead body laying there, spirit gone, because he was, the Bible says, in the pit, for those few days, preaching to those in prison in hell, preaching to those in prison in the center of the earth. That's what the Bible says. Taking back the keys of life to death, a lifeless dead body, God in flesh, humbling himself, life himself, humbling himself to the point of death, laying there dead still. How many of you have ever seen a dead body? I've seen one. How many of you have ever been to a funeral? It ain't moving. We're talking about he was that dead. The Bible says this, again, that the Spirit of God raised Christ Jesus. He so humbled himself. He was so dead he needed another member of the Godhead to raise him up. He was that dead. Life himself. But he didn't stay that way. On the third day, 
the spirit of the living God raised him up. And I mean, when I say raised him up, I mean alive. Alive in that same body that he left, he came back in, but this time in glory. Actually, it was such a profound thing that when they went to touch him, he said, don't touch me, I'm not yet ascended. It was a profound thing. Read it. When he first comes out of the tomb, they go to he says, don't touch me, I'm not yet ascended to my father. It's very interesting. Listen to this. He was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. So this is Peter. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. We know also, according to scripture, um, he was seen by John as well. Uh, after that, he was seen by five, over 500 brethren at once, whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. I want you, as we study the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead, to, to learn this verbiage that Paul says it's very key in Christianity, and it's actually something that we do, do not do a very good job at, I believe, in the church um, on, on things that we say, how we talk about death, how we talk about those who have passed away in Christ. Paul has a, a very, very, very prophetic language here, and this destroys depression. This destroys even sorrow and over loss of those who are in Christ. It does. It really destroys it. And, you know, the Bible says the day of death is better than the day of, of birth. Just as in Ecclesiastes, the day of death is better than the day of birth. Why? Because to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. What is better to be in his presence in heaven, in glory? And so listen to this, this very interesting thing. And just maybe by the Holy Spirit, he'll give us grace to change some of our thinking, have our minds renewed, amen, that we may prove what the will of God is and take this prophetic language, Paul uses it, and begin to use it within our community in our own lives. Listen, but some have fallen asleep, not died, but fallen asleep. Listen, after that, he was seen by James, speaking of Jesus's brother James, who was the first leader um, of the of the church in Jerusalem, or sorry, was the leader of the uh, church in, in Jerusalem. Then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. I love this, that Paul puts his encounter with Jesus on the same level as Peter and all those who saw him before he ascended because Paul did not encounter Jesus until after Jesus had ascended. Jesus had ascended and came down and visited Paul on the road of Damascus. And Paul says that it wasn't, he's not saying it's a spirit. He's not saying it was an apparition. It wasn't an apparition that Peter saw, and it wasn't an apparition that Paul saw. It was the living, resurrected Christ. Listen to this. For I am least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than all than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. What did he preach? Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised 
from the dead. How do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So there was a temptation in the early church for people to come along and, and discredit and disclaim uh, the resurrection of the dead. Again, this thought pattern was already in the Hebrew people in the form of the Sadducees. And it tried to make its way into the church, so much so the Apostle Paul felt necessary to address it. He says this, But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith also is empty. If there is no resurrection of the dead, our faith is void, empty, has no power. Our preaching is nothing. There's no point to any of this without the resurrection of the dead. This is how fundamental and key and foundational this is to your belief system, to your faith in God, to your walk in Christ, to understand that Christ rose from the dead. Indeed, he lives. It is key. You cannot afford one ounce of doubt about that fact. Listen, a, an ounce of doubt of the resurrection of Christ is, only leads to one place, empty faith. It, leads to, it will leave you in a bankrupted faith. You won't have any. Powerless. And again, without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? So without believing in the resurrection of the dead, I cannot please God. It has to be key. It pleases the Father for me to believe in the resurrection power of Christ. Paul said this, I long to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. It's all in there. Listen, the cross is magnificent. He took and he nailed every law, every legal requirement of our violation of the law nailed it to the cross and forgave our sins through the shedding of his blood. But listen, what profit is that to us if Christ did not raise from the dead? Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. So he's saying if, the, if all the dead won't rise, then God didn't raise up Christ. But because God raised up Christ, you better believe all the dead in Christ will rise. Sorry, all the dead will rise, not even just the dead in Christ. Listen, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Again, sometimes we stop at the cross. We stop at the shedding of the blood. We stop at the nailing of Christ on the cross. We stop at cursed is any man who hangs upon a tree. The blessing himself became a curse to curse the curse and freed us so now we can be blessed. And we look at that and we stop. But the Bible is very clear. Had Christ not risen from the dead, we would still be in our sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. There's that word again fallen asleep means there's no hope for them anyone who died in faith believing 
that they would have eternal life in Christ, that they would be resurrected from the dead, spend eternity, that their sins were washed away, all of them, futile, nothing. They have no hope whatsoever. Listen, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men (laughs) the most pitiable. (laughs) But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become, listen to this, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. What does that mean? The first fruits of those who fallen asleep. Well, the first of something. Meaning what? That when Christ rose to rose from the dead, he was the first fruit of what's to come at the resurrection of those in Christ and the resurrection of those who have perished outside of Christ. All make no mistake, all men shall rise from the dead. We're going to cover that in just a moment. Verse 21. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as Adam, or in Adam, all die, so in Christ all shall may be, be made alive. Now, does that mean all shall be saved? No, it doesn't. Why? Because salvation comes through faith in this message. If you don't believe, you shall not be saved. But make no mistake, all shall rise. Just as all men fell under sin, which wages are death from Adam, all men shall fall under the resurrection from the dead because of Christ's work on the cross in his resurrection. They will all rise, even those who will be cast into the lake of fire. But each one in his own order. Christ, the first fruit, listen to this, each one in his own order. So there's an order to the resurrection from the dead. I want you to understand that. There is an order to the resurrection of the dead. It is not going to be just everybody at once. I don't know if you've ever been taught that or if you've ever seen it in a movie or something like or a cartoon. When we were growing up, we had all the Bible cartoons and they portrayed it. Not everybody rises at once. There is a proper order. Christ was first the first fruit to raise from the dead. Then listen to this. Afterwards, those who are Christ's, those who are his, who resurrect when? At his coming. At the second coming of the Lord. When the sky splits and Christ comes through, everyone who has fallen asleep in the Lord, or some would say died, but really we don't die. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I'll, I'll get to that. I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's okay. It's good news, man. It is good news. Those who have fallen asleep will rise at his coming first. Then comes the end. So after that, then the end. He delivers the kingdom to God the Father when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and all and power. When? When he at his coming. For he must reign, and we know, according to Revelations, which we'll look at in just a moment, that he reigns for a thousand years, till he has put all enemies under his foot, then the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. He has defeated death. Amen. Death, where is your sting? He says this, uh, For he has put all things under his feet, But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Now, when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in 
all. Otherwise, what will they do who are baptized for the dead? Wait, baptized for the dead. What does that mean to be baptized for the dead? If the dead do not rise at all, then why then are they baptized for the dead? What do you mean baptized for the dead? I mean, listen, this is really good stuff. This is a mystery of God. You must understand something that when you go, this is why baptism is so important. And again, if you have not watched the doctrines of baptisms, uh, if you have not heard that or listened to that, it's going to be releasing, I think, next Tuesday on our podcast. And then it's out on YouTube right now. You can go check it out, I think. Or no, we'll have it up this week. Uh, It'll be on YouTube and it'll release on Tuesday on podcast. You've got to go listen to that. Because baptism is not just a ceremonial washing. The Bible is very clear. When you go into that baptism tank, it supernaturally becomes a grave. And the old man, the sinful man, dies in that water. And when you come up out of that water, you are resurrected into new life. This is why Paul says that when this mortal body dies in this life, before Christ's coming, you are merely falling asleep you cannot die why would we ever fear death death is a blessing and a gain for those who are in christ because this death is not really death this this is merely an upgrade (laughs) to be with jesus to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord I, listen, I'm telling you, my grandmother's getting in her 80s and stuff are starting to look like she's going to be falling asleep soon. And listen, I'm going to miss our conversations, but hallelujah, I'm going to look forward in truth knowing this, that when Christ comes, Granny's going to be there. When Christ splits the sky, Granny's going to be right there. And I get to have conversations with her for eternity, forever and ever and ever. Why would I be sorrowful? She's already translated over into the city of bliss where there is no more tears and no more sorrows. And she gets to wait in the presence of the Lord for the second coming of Christ until I'll see her again in a glorified body. That is good news. That is good. That is something to be excited about. That is something to be comforted about. So when we experience the falling of sleep of loved ones, we can rejoice and encourage others and say, listen, dry your tears. Look up. Look up. Look to the sky. They'll be coming with him. Amen? That's good news. And why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? I affirm by the boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If in the manner of men I fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me if the dead do not rise? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness, which is right standing with God, and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? Foolish one. (laughs) What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. 
but God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is flesh one kind, a flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, another of birds. There is also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. Oh. But it is raised in incorruption. This body gets put in the ground when I fall asleep in Christ. Corruptible, fading, dying, aging. Listen, but that thing that's inside is incorruptible. It's eternal, never going to die, absent from the body, present with the Lord, to be with Him forever, never leaving His side. Matter of fact, the Bible's very clear. When Christ steps out of, out of heaven, you come in with Him. You're never leaving His side. Never are you leaving the side of this bridegroom. He's not leaving His bride. He's taking you with him everywhere he goes. It's really good news. But this mortal body, this thing right here, this corruptible tent, this thing that's aging gets planted in the ground like a seed to be sprout up incorruptible. Listen, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Meaning what? As we age and we get older in this life, this body becomes frailer and becomes weak. But the amazing thing is, is if you're abiding in Christ, the thing on the inside has become stronger and not weaker. The thing that is eternal has grown into maturity and is more potent and more powerful. But this thing is weak. But when it rises, whoo, it rises in power. Listen, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. But the last Adam, Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. But the second man is the Lord from heaven. Mm. Excuse me. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And so are you if you are in Christ. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. What a promise. Now this I say, brethren, that, the f- that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. This thing right here, this flesh and blood, does not inherit the kingdom of God. The image that you bear now of the heavenly man is that thing that is inside you. You've been made new and filled with the Holy Spirit, and you show forth his character, his likeness, and his image flowing out of you. 
on display in what? Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, the manifestations of the spirit, healing, signs, wonder, heavenly realms busting in the earthly realm from when? From out, from within you, from out of your innermost being flows rivers of living water now. But there is coming a time when this incorruptible will be transformed or sorry, this corruptible will be transformed into incorruptible and this thing will display his image as well. Now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Meaning what? We shall not all fall asleep in the Lord. But what? But we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. Meaning what? If you have fallen asleep in the Lord... At the sound of his trumpet, when he splits the sky and every eye see him, sees him, every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord. If you have fallen asleep in Christ, you rise with him. And if you're alive, you're changed in a moment, in a blinking of an eye. Let's look at Revelations. We're going to come back to 1 Corinthians 15. But jump over real quick to Revelations chapter 20. Verses 4 through 6, just verses 4 through 6. We're not going to camp out here long, um, too long because next week we'll be touching on eternal judgment. And we're really going to be in this uh, area of Scripture. We're going to touch on eternal judgment. But I want to give you a picture in Revelations of this moment when we all are changed and the dead in Christ rise. And again, remember I told you there's an order to the resurrection of the dead. Christ first then those who have fallen asleep in the Lord and those who are transformed and changed. Well, you would say, how do I get to transform and change if I haven't fallen asleep? Well, because you're already resurrected. Your spirit is already alive. Just like I told you, when you went down in that baptism tank and you came up, you resurrected from the dead in spirit. This body is corruptible, but that seed on the inside of you is an incorruptible seed. That that seed, that word of faith that's able to save your souls, that implanted seed of the word, that Christ nature in you, that new man. He's getting a new body, though. Amen. Listen to this, verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they that sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Again, we'll be covering eternal judgment next uh, next week. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. Again, there's an order of resurrection. Who Christ first, those who have fallen asleep in Christ, and then the rest at the end of a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. There are two, sorry, three resurrections of the dead. There are three resurrections of the dead that the Bible mentions. Obviously, the apostles raised people from the dead, 
uh, when they walked the earth. Jesus raised people from the dead. But how do you know that they fell back asleep in Christ at some point, whether they lived a long life or whatever? They eventually, even Lazarus, fell back asleep after Jesus raised him. That wasn't the resurrection of the dead. There was Christ's resurrection and the first resurrection. Listen to this. Blessed and holy is he who has his part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death. Wait, there's a second death? Yes, there is a second death, which we'll cover again more on eternal judgment. Has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. A thousand years. Now, when I'm going to keep reading. I'm going to go ahead, and I know I said verse 4, but I am going to go all the way down to verse 15. Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, together the, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and be, be, the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beasts and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever then i saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them and i saw listen the dead small and great standing before god and books were opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged according to their works by the things with which were written in the book the sea gave up the dead who were in it and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then, the, then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. This is the second resurrection, or really the third, if you cr count Christ as the first, according to Paul. The first was Christ, then us, the first, but he's, this is the first resurrection. And then the second resurrection, which is all the dead. So the dead in Christ, those who fall asleep in God right now, if you were to uh, get in a car wreck tonight when you leave here and you fall asleep in Christ, if you have faith, hope, and trust in Jesus and all the things that we've been talking about tonight, and you fall asleep in Christ, you will resurrect at his second coming and you will rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years and then you will witness the resurrection of the dead in, the, in their judgment. What a great promise. We're not going to be left out. Listen, I'm telling you, he's, he's not, we're not leaving his side. From now until eternity, we're not leaving his side. When he comes, we're coming. It says this back in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse, uh, I'm going to read, start up at 50 again. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. Again, those who fall asleep in Christ and those who are alive at Christ's coming, uh, who, who are in him. For this corruptible must put on incorruptible. This mortal must put on immortality. 
This thing on the outside that is fading and dying must put on something to match what's on the inside. You are immortal in Christ on the inside. You must believe that. You must have the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. That you, the inside of you, your spirit and soul are already alive forever and ever and ever. You are resurrected from spiritual death. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The second your sin nature gets dealt with is the second you enter eternal life as the spirit man on the inside of you. But you still have a fleshly body. Thank God I'm not spending eternity in this thing. Because I don't know about y'all, but there's still some days that that eternity on the inside of me is wrestling with this a corruptible thing on the outside of me. I'm still in a tussle sometimes where I got to tell it, say, hey, it's okay because you're getting the boot, buddy. When Christ splits the sky, you ain't here no more, and I'm getting a new you. I'm new on the inside, and I'm going to be new on the outside. And you better recognize your time is running out. Your time is coming to a close. Amen? I will not suffer against my flesh forever and ever. That's good news. Amen? That's really good news. Next time that flesh, could just remind your flesh where it's going. You, you're getting exchanged. You either going in the ground or you getting exchanged. One thing or another. <laughs> I'm getting a brand new one. Woo. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up. Whew, I feel that. In victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. Mm. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The, sing the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory. Listen, if the sting of death is sin and sin has been dealt with, why in the world on your inside would you ever let death have a place in you? Why in the world would we ever fear something that has nothing in us? If sin, the work of the devil, right? Christ came to destroy the works of the devil, and he destroyed sin. And then Christ said, the devil came and found nothing in me. Means sin doesn't have a hold in me. It's got no grip in me. You can't touch me. You might try to get a grip on this corruptible thing that's on the outside, but you ain't getting a grip on the incorruptible seed of Christ on the inside. Amen? Death, where is your sting? Therefore, my beloved brethren, <laughs> be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. But how do we remain steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ, believing in the resurrection of the dead. You know, again, my hope is found in this, Jesus and his resurrection. 
my hope is found that you can kill me now, but I'll be back again. Listen, you can kill me now. And when Jesus splits that sky, I'm coming with him dressed in robes of white. Oh, and what a glorious splendor it is because the Bible says this. When we don't know yet what we shall be, but we know this. When we see him, we shall be like him. And oh, he's holy and beautiful. Isn't that good news? Listen, we've got to understand this. We've got to get this. The resurrection. You are already resurrected from the dead in the spirit and in the soul. But what's to come is the resurrection of the flesh, the new body put on. And he promises you it will be so. And if not, God is a liar. But we know that God is not a man that he should lie. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the resurrection of the dead. We thank you so much for the hope that we have, God, for those who have fallen asleep in Christ. Lord, for ourselves, if we are to fall asleep in you, God, that we will be with you forever and ever and ever, and that we've already been resurrected on the inside, God. But we thank you, Lord, that we're not going to spend eternity in this incorruptible thing, but you're going to exchange it, uh, this corruptible thing, sorry, but you're going to exchange it for an incorruptible one, a perfect one as you are perfected lord we shall be like you and we give you honor and praise lord i pray for a grace to live in the revelation knowledge of the resurrection from the dead i pray that a grace would come in as a boldness to teach others and talk to them about the promise in the hope of the resurrection that is coming for those who are in christ in jesus name amen god bless you guys Thank you for joining us on Encounter Podcast. We pray it has been a blessing to you. We would be honored if you would prayerfully consider supporting this ministry by becoming a monthly partner or sowing a one-time offering helping us bring the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ our Lord to the lost and the continued training and equipping of his bride, the church. For more information on how to become a partner or make a donation, please go to Encounter1078.com and click on the donate button. Thank you, and may the mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus be upon you.